The resurrection of Jesus is an impossibility, which means that if it happened, it's a miracle. Today, we're going to look at five facts in the life and ministry of Jesus that makes us consider whether or not a miracle, the resurrection of Jesus, actually happened. Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and welcome to Hot Topics. If you're new here, consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and ringing the bell so you can get all of our new content. The comment section is open below. We would love to hear from you. Today, we want to look at five facts about Jesus and the resurrection that has a consensus among most scholars. And I want to talk about this for a minute because there's a few guys that do a really good job with this. First of all, critics began to arise a couple hundred years ago, but especially in the early 20th century, they were mythicists. They literally believed that Jesus was a myth. And I'm sure they thought it was, was good that they weren't going to be able to prove that Jesus actually existed. But the evidence for the existence of Jesus is so strong that there almost literally is no scholars that say he didn't exist. There's such strong evidence. I want to talk about five facts, but I've seen people cover 18 facts. I've read 20 facts uh, about the historical Jesus. I've seen people talk about 30 facts. Some boil it down to seven and some boil it down to five, which is what we're doing today. We just want to consider these facts and what it means to how we approach the resurrection of Jesus. Some of the guys that do a great job of covering this is William Lane Craig, Dr. Habermas, there is a few others that just do a great job. Just look for facts for the existence of Jesus or facts that cause us to consider the resurrection. And you're going to get a lot of really good things that come up. Fact number one, Jesus did exist. When we talk about the historicity of Jesus, we're talking about whether or not there was someone who was called Jesus that began his ministry in Galilee that was from Nazareth and whether or not he did miracles. Nearly all historians agree that Jesus existed. Scholars differ on the beliefs and teachings of Jesus as to the accuracy and details of his life as described in the Gospels, but virtually all scholars support the historicity of Jesus and reject Christ as a myth. G.A. Wells, who was a mythicist and then turned and now believes in a kind of a minimal historical point of view, he believes that Jesus existed. He doesn't believe in the miracles, but he, he did at one point believe that Jesus was a myth. I can't tell you how many people I run into that will just tell me off the top of their head when I'm talking to them about Christ that Jesus didn't exist. And when I challenge them on it, go and do your research. You're going to see that there's no one that's credentialed that has a position as a scholar who believes that Jesus doesn't exist. There might be some out there who are involved in debates who will throw out that they think that Jesus is a myth. But when we're talking about top-notch scholars, they agree that he existed. One of the reasons for that is the sources that we find in the Bible. And I know that people usually reject it as, well, that's the Bible. But remember, the Bible is a set of manuscripts and manuscripts of different books that are different sources. John is one source. Mark is another source. Paul is another source. And these are all first century documents that are within the first few decades after Jesus died on the cross. Now, I hear people say sometimes, well, the Gospels were written decades after Jesus died, as if that's a really long time. But you realize with ancient literature that having something within decades of when it happened is super close. It's a massive positive. So a new, fresh look at the manuscripts of the Bible caused people to come to the fact that there are th certain things that happened in the life of Jesus, that Jesus existed, 
that he was from Nazareth, that he was baptized, and that he was crucified under Pilate. We also have a group of non-Christian historians. Let me give you some of them. First, we have the first century Roman historian, Tatticus, who was considered one of the most accurate historians in the ancient world. He mentions Christ who suffered under Pontius Pilate during the time of Tiberius. Second, we have Suntaneus. Again, he's from the first century. He was the chief secretary for Hadrian, and he wrote that there was a man named Christus or Christ who lived during the first century. We also have Flavius Josephus, who was a Roman historian from the first century. The first century is the time that Jesus was alive, and he mentions Jesus, he mentions Pontius Pilate, he mentions that Jesus was crucified, that he had believers, and that he did miracles, and that there were people who thought he was the Christ. We also have Pliny the Younger from the first century as well, and he recorded that early Christians worshiped Jesus as God, that they were very ethical, and he had a reference to the love feast or to communion. Now, these aren't all of the historians that speak of Jesus. These are some of just the earliest. There were others in the second century, which would be very early as well, the third and the fourth century. In fact, gotquestions.com gives this statement talking about the historians and what they say about Jesus. In fact, we can almost reconstruct the gospel just from early non-Christian sources. These are people who weren't Christians talking about what Christians believed, that Jesus was called the Christ by Josephus, that he did magic or miracles, that he led Israel into new teachings and was hanged on Passover, the Babylonian Talmud, that he was in Judea, Tatticus, and that he claimed to be God and would return, Eleazar, which his followers believed and worshiped him, Pliny the Younger. That's pretty impressive. And we can see going back into the historians about the life of Jesus, why we say there's virtually no scholars or no one who is accredited who says that Jesus didn't exist. So we can be very confident that Jesus existed. And number two of the facts that I have is that he was crucified. We could cite several of the early historians who talked about him being crucified. You could also cite the biblical sources. Remember, again, they're independent of one another. You have Mark, you have John, and you have Paul, which all three talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, and they are independent sources, as well as the historians that talk about his crucifixion as well, as well as an early creed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 by Paul, which scholars have dated back to very early, very early after the time of the resurrection that the Christians would say about his death and his resurrection and his appearance to people around them. Scholars also talk about the resurrection of Jesus. The only two events subject to almost universal assent are Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and was crucified by order of the Roman prefect Pontius Pilate. According to the New Testament scholar James Dunn, nearly all modern scholars consider the baptism of Jesus and the crucifixion to be historical. He states that these two facts in the life of Jesus command almost universal assent. That's very powerful, and you can look these things up. The third fact is that the tomb was empty. That when the women went that morning to the tomb, that it was empty. Now, there's all kinds of people that come up with all kinds of things to say why the tomb was empty, but it's really an indisputable fact that it was. For one thing, if the tomb wasn't empty, then there was no way that Christianity was going to spread around the world within a few years of Jesus dying on the cross. 
for another, the enemies of Christ say that the disciples went and stole the body. They came up with their own conspiracy theory why the tomb was empty, claiming that the disciples had beat up the Roman guards that they had posted, I guess, and then went and stole the body. If the tomb wasn't empty, all the enemies of Jesus had to do was show the body and they would have started the work of the church before it ever started. So far, we've seen that Jesus did exist, that he was crucified, and that the tomb was empty on the third day. The fourth fact is that people thought that he appeared to him. And I said thought because remember, we're talking about facts from history. And so there are people who believe that they were seeing things, that they were hallucinating, but we know that there were people who believed that they were having a genuine, real encounter with Jesus. We have a list of them again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that list was written when people who were claimed to have seen Jesus were still alive. And, and one of them was appearing to a group of hundreds of people. If they were making those statements while people were still alive and they weren't true, they would have been called out on that. And so there were people who believed that they had an interaction with Jesus after he had risen from the dead. The fifth fact is the conversion of Paul. And this is a very powerful point. In fact, someone said that if you don't deal with the conversion of Paul, I don't know that you can reject Christianity outright because Paul was an enemy and people don't easily change their mind, especially when they have so much zeal and so much hatred that he had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road that he changed and became one of the leaders in the early church is very powerful. And it is a fact that these things happened. Now, people deal with these facts in different ways. They come up with their own conspiracy theories. The swoon theory that Jesus didn't really die on the cross and that he walked out of the grave and convinced people that he was alive and victorious, which can be picked apart very easily. You can't drive nails through people's hands and feet, put them in a cold, damp cave and expect them to come out and look like they are resurrected and alive. There's the stolen body theory that somebody came that night and stole the body and hid it. The question is who stole the body and if it was the disciples then they ended up dying for a lie and we know that people will die for what they have zeal for for what they believe but i don't know if people will die for a lie they went out and built this world on christianity and then they suffered death and if it was a lie one of the the 12 including paul would have cracked but they didn't there was the mass hallucinations which just doesn't make sense because a hallucination is when you see something up in here. And there might be accounts of a couple people seeing something or thinking that they saw something, but a mass hallucination of hundreds that are actually seeing Jesus just doesn't make sense. There's also the wrong tomb theory that the women went to the, the tomb, uh, to the wrong tomb. But remember, this is Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. They knew where the tomb was. And if it was the wrong tomb, then the Jewish leaders would have discovered that tomb and discovered the body of Jesus. Now, what does this all mean to you and me? It means that we have to go back and consider what the Bible says in these facts and can't dismiss them. Now, you can do anything you want to do. And if you want to dismiss them outright, then you certainly can. But I don't know how honest you're being. For years, people have said that the Bible is inaccurate, that it doesn't have facts. But when it comes to the life of Jesus and his resurrection and his baptism, we see that these facts are true. And they cause us to reconsider the resurrection. That really, 
the only thing that explains how the gospel went around the world, why these guys went and surrendered their lives, is that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, that means that you have hope, hope for eternity. That means that your life here is not all it is. And if you're at the very bottom, if your life is a mess, if you if you just don't have hope for the future, then you can put your trust into Jesus Christ by inviting him, receiving him. He draws you and you invite him. And when Jesus comes into your life, he transforms you. It's not just, I raised my hand, I invited Jesus into my life, now I'm saved. You are transformed and you have evidence, proof, the fruit that you are now a new person. He changes you. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away and everything becomes new. It's powerful when you give your life to Christ and you are no longer living for the things of this world, but you're living for eternity. I read a historian today that said of the early Christians that they were not attached to this world, but they lived for heaven. Boy, I hope that's said about us that we are not attached to the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, but we have our eyes set on our eternity.